What do you know about business? This is a show about business. I'm gonna tell you how I went from rags to riches. Well, just kidding. I didn't really go from rags to riches, but I had a small business out of my living room and now it's worth millions of dollars. How did I do it? This episode is going to give you hope because I had no idea what I was doing and I still did it anyways. Okay. I'm recording this on my phone, so I have to stop and get a real mic, but I had the song in my head, and I didn't want to let it slip away. Be right back. <laughs> but for now, we're gonna sing about business. No, we're not. Bye. Hi, hello, good day. In this episode, I'm gonna tell you how we built Bando from the ground up, with no prior business knowledge, maybe not something to brag about, but I find that it is really encouraging to others when they understand it can be done and is done more often than you think. What we did use and still use every day is our passion, creativity, optimism, and a touch of anxiety. So allow me to illustrate how you too can start a business even if you feel challenged by a lack of experience or your struggles with mental health. Listen up and become a millionaire. Note, I cannot guarantee that. I just said that so you would listen. Bye. Or can I say so? Because I said so at the beginning of the episode. So... So, hi! (laughs) Who starts a podcast with so? Well, I guess there'll be... I guess I'll come in and say something before I say so. Um, You know... The Buttermilk Waitress episode with the song of the summer, you remember it, um, was so well received. And it's not that I didn't think it was good. I think they all suck. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but you know what I mean? Uh, no, I, I, I feel like people are uh, – I wanted to tell the story because people always feel somehow better after they hear me tell them that like I didn't um, study business or fashion or anything that relates to what I'm doing and I'm still doing it. But I guess I was kind of nervous because it's not like super mental healthy. And I know that the, I, I know that this is not a purely mental health podcast, even though it is, and that this is more of an autobiographical podcast about me and anything that has to do with me, has to do with mental health, because um, because that's something that I struggle with. So it just, I think I was just like, is this going to be a disruption? But as it turns out, and it makes sense because um, this podcast is brought to you by Girl Boss, um, it, it would make sense that there are people that are interested in the business piece too. So great news for you. I've got a follow-up episode right here that has to do with Bandeau, that multi-million dollar company that I created out of my living room. Like, let's see where we left off with Buttermilk Waitress. Let's pick back up and let's let's talk about how that's done because I feel like that's got to be encouraging too. So Bandeau. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. You can go to www. Does anyone say that anymore? Bando.com, B-A-N-D-O.com. And that is 
a company I started 10 years ago. That's what's amazing about this. If this episode drops on the day it's supposed to drop, it's going to be like within a week of us celebrating our 10-year bando birthday, which in the business world, I'm told, is a pretty big deal. I'm still learning about the business world all these years in. So if you remember where I kind of... I. You know what? I don't even remember where I left off, but before I started Bandeau, like actually simultaneously, I was working as a food and prop stylist, a set designer, and and had actually started pivoting into commercial editorial and commercial photography. So the nice thing about doing all those jobs is like they really, um, in and amongst the other hundreds of jobs I had prior to that, those jobs and specifically really set me up to start an e-commerce business because understanding like style, aesthetic, and photography, um, you know, that that created a great baseline for starting an online company that was really driven by all of those things I just mentioned. Um, I also had two blogs at the time because one was not enough. I had a blog called mypolaroidblog.com. Shout out to anyone who remembers that. I think it's still up. So you could, they were both on blog spot, but I was really into Polaroid photography. And I feel like maybe a few months after I launched the blog, Polaroid's said they weren't going to produce instant film anymore. So that was devastating, but they're back now. So you can get into it too. Um, and then I had a, a food blog called becoming a foodie. Um, so, and, and that sort of helped me with hone, like writing and finding a voice. And so, so, so little did it, did I know I was creating a situation for myself where I was really going to be primed to start a brand, which is in my mind, what I did. I should say what we did, my partner, Jamie, and I. Everybody loves a good origin story. Well, you're about to hear the origins of Bando, where we got the idea, hint, creative consciousness, and what the first couple of years of operating and growing a small business were like. August 2008... <laughs> I gotta... <laughs> the one thing that anyone will tell you at Bandeau is like anytime we try and do a timeline, it's just like my recollections of the facts and the dates are just not quite right. So I'm just laughing because I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just figured it out. Oh my God. I was like, how could it be? I was going to tell you that Andrew and I were celebrating our third wedding anniversary in in August of 2008, but it was in April of 2008. But the fact that they were two months that started with A got me confused because Bandeau started in August of 2008. Anyways, I'm glad we were able to clear that up. So, so anyways, um, Andrew and I, I, I got booked on a styling job in Las Vegas during our anniversary. And I was like, we love Vegas. We got married in Vegas. Like I'm, I'm like a Vegas person. Now I believe, um, two and a half days is the perfect amount of time to stay in Vegas. I don't think you should stay any less or any more. Um, so I have like a very specific, and I'm happy to do an episode on like 
my my favorite things to do in Vegas because they're a little bit different than the norm. But regardless, I love Vegas. We loved Vegas. And so I was like, how fun would it be for us to go to Vegas? Like, come with me on my job. We'll stay. And then let's renew our wedding vows at, our wedding vows at the drive-thru chapel, which we did. It was awesome. It's like a drive-thru window, like where you would drive up and it felt like it used to be like a jack-in-the-box or something. Um, but instead of a teenager giving you French fries, uh, there was a reverend. And and he mar- he he renewed our vows for us, but in the process, I had made this um, this like floral flower crowns. So I made a flower crown. But this was let me just take credit for this, as I always do. Anytime anyone asks, this was easily two years before the flower crown revolution. I don't know. Well, I know why I had done it. We Jamie, my co-founder, and I, who I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about in a second, but. We, um, we had been on a, on a styling job and the photographer had asked us to make like sort of like daisy flower crowns out of actual flowers. And so, um, we, we had done that. And so I, I think it was just like in my mind, I attribute a a lot of the inception of Banda to the creative consciousness. And so I made this, you know, it was like ribbon wrapped around wire with these big vintage flowers. And it was kind of wild looking. I still have it, but I remember specifically being in Vegas and being in a casino and like people being like, what is that on your head? And I kind of feel like, I don't know, Andrew might say he wasn't embarrassed, but I felt like it was, it was wild at the time. Um, but anyways, I made that. And when I had posted some pictures about it on my blog, people were like, wait, can I have one of those? And I was like, yeah, you can have one of those. And then strangely, Jamie, who was my assistant at the time, was turning, I think she was, I couldn't have been her 30th birthday. I don't know. Oh no, maybe it was. And she, she had made something that was so similar to what I had made. It was weird. Like when I showed her my picture and she showed me her picture, I was like, how did we both do that without talking? And we were just like, I don't know. And that, to me, that's creative consciousness, Um, which I had tapped into before and just really didn't do anything with it. And I was like, I'm going to do something with this. I think I'm going to start selling these. And she was like, I'm going to start selling mine too. And then we were like, wait, should we just sell them together? Which we did. And, And Bando was born. So Bando is the French word for headband. B-A-N-D-E-A-U-X is the spelling. Um, I didn't think that looked cool, so I changed it and put all sorts of weird punctuation and whatnot in it, which um, now I know a lot more about um, branding and naming companies, and I wouldn't recommend that. Anyways, so we called it Bando. It was either going to be Halo or Bando, and thankfully we went with Bando. Nothing against against angels and halos. And then we decided, you know, it was it Etsy was huge at the time. When we were like, should we go on Etsy? And then we were like, maybe we should try and make our own website. And my brother was a graphic designer at the time, and he knew like some simple coding. I understood the photography. Jamie understood styling. Jamie's husband knew like some more sophisticated back end. That's what she said. Uh, website stuff, and and so we kind of just pulled all our resources together, and we were like, let's just make a site. Which I wish I could find because it was the most non SEO friendly. There was like a splash page, which I don't know if ever anybody remembers splash pages on websites, which they were cool for a second, and the people were like. 
you can't add so many clicks to the shopping experience. But anyways, we we learned a lot, but we we came up with like a really beautiful original website. And so we we got a bunch of supplies. We decided we would each make like, I don't know, 15 or 20 pieces, and then we would come together photograph them and put them up on the site. And that's what we did. And the the way it was received was so wild. It you know, I because I was a blogger, I knew um a bunch of bloggers. Shout out to Joy um of Oh Joy. She was the first person to post about it, but by the end of the day our launch day, we were on like a hundred blogs, which was a huge deal. I don't know if that, I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, but, um, just cause everyone kind of does their own content and probably wouldn't want to have the same thing. But at that time it, you know, it was still a little bit more personal and not as protective over content. And we were like, holy shit. And then we sold out and these were all like vintage one of a kind pieces. So we were just like, we're going to be so fucking rich. I actually called my agent. Um, and I was like, go ahead and take me off the books because like, I'm going to be a millionaire by the end of the week. Um, and then if every, anybody remembers that company daily candy, they contacted us. I think it was like our third day in business. And they were like, we want to feature you. And, and like that had been known to like launch businesses. And so I was just like, this is, this is, this is, this is how we get rich. And we did not get rich (laughs) as it turns out selling vintage one of a kind hair accessories. Although our price points were much higher than they are now. They were like from 95 to three something. Um, you can only sell it once. So, so that, that, you know, one of the first business, one of the first of many business lessons that two creatives trying to have a business learned. And so we pivoted. So the next three years were Jamie and I fucking grinding away, doing everything we could, you know, making things for whatever stylist we want, you know, that wanted, maybe they wanted a crazy custom thing. We, you know, saying yes to every opportunity, which is so important when you're, um, starting a business, you know, you really do. They talk about sweat equity. That's a real thing. You know, the other thing is, um, there was no, we each maybe, I think we each put in $600 to start. So there was no VC, there was no business plan. Like this was just two girls basically creating a side business because we thought it would be fun. Um, and we thought it would be a really fun way to connect to people. And, and, you know, the internet was such a cool place which it still is, but it was like, you could talk to people all over the world. And, and this was going to be our way, you know, we were, we were creators and, and we loved having fun and we loved expressing ourselves. And and this was going to be the perfect way to do it. So, um, so the next three years were, were us really kind of figuring out how you actually have a business. And, and we learned a lot and we struggled a lot. And, um, I learned a, some really big financial lessons, which were when you stop taking paid work and only work at a company that doesn't actually pay you. Well, I think like towards the end of the third year, we were each taking a thousand dollar a month salary. You lose things like your house. (laughs) So, so I've been working on that since that happened, uh, six years ago, but you know, the thing about those early days outside of the stress and the hard work and the sacrifice was amongst 
all of the stress and the hard work and the sacrifice. I couldn't say no to Bando. It was a passion for me and it was the most fulfilling relationship I had ever had. (laughs) I'm talking about people. I'm talking about work relationships, relationships to what I do, which if you listen to Buttermilk Waitress, you know that I really prioritize my work as like needing to feel connected to it. No matter what, the answer was always Bando. When it looked fucked on paper, the answer was still Bando. And it's still that way for me. And it's just, it's interesting because what I tell people that want to start their own businesses or have it, if you don't feel like that, it probably won't work because that's actually what you need to happen to make, sorry, that's actually what you need to make shit happen. You know, make shit happen made me think of a slide in a, um, in a, in a keynote that I had, which was only focus on top level shit, which has to do with some advice I give when you're growing a small business, which I can't give here, but I want to, but if these business episodes, uh, resonate, there's a whole path we can go down and I would love to share that experience with you. But anyways, also remember that this is a great example for me, how I could use um, a mental health issue to actually positively affect a business. And that was my anxiety. And that made me double, triple check things, um, question everything, you know, the things that I do to avoid feeling anxious were the things I did that actually I think helped make the business great. And I can't speak for Jamie. I, you know, we were both, we both had a really, really strong work ethic. So I don't know what was driving her, but I know that's a lot of what was driving me. And then I also just think like not feeling good and understanding like that, that there are things and there are colors and there are and their experiences that can make you feel better. I like having, having suffered with depression and all of that for so long. Like I think that really helped too, to create the intention behind the brand, which I could talk a lot about now, but at the time, like that was just us being us and like, um, placing that energy onto things and onto a website, um, and not articulating it. The beauty of growing a business is like, eventually you're asked to articulate why, <laughs> why are you doing this? What's your mission? So people always told me that in business, there are sacrifices to make. And I naively thought, yeah, right. Maybe for you there are, but my time in business will be special and without any major sacrifice or heartbreak. I bet you can imagine then that this next part is about the sacrifice and heartbreak I suffered while growing the business. Yep happens to everyone, not just in business, but if you're moving forward in life, there will always be sacrifice and heartbreak. So hopefully hearing mine will make you feel less alone in your own sacrifices. Oh, and I talk about selling the business too, which was not a sacrifice, but actually a true gift from the universe. Ups and downs, life and business, just a series of ups and downs. Before I get to the part where I start to explain when um, a selling the business, because that's 
has a, had a huge, huge, obviously, I'm still here. So it had a huge positive effect on us. Um, what I will say is those sacrifices that I'm talking about went beyond just like losing a house. You know, I compromised my marriage, um, my relationships with my friends and, and family. Um, I mean, it deteriorated my relationship with Jamie, although we weren't close friends. We, I mean, we loved working together. There, there is, so I just want to go on record as saying there are, there are a whole host of sacrifices that you should be prepared to make, um, that I, that I was prepared to make. Um, and I'm still, you know, doing cleanup on some of that, but I'm, I'm doing it. (laughs) Um, so, so, you know, something that I talked about in the first episode was really wanting to de-glamorize success and, and also show that business is hard and we don't see that enough. You know, we only see success being celebrated and the other stuff being swept under the rug and I'm absolutely not going to do that. So let me just say it was hard as shit it still is hard as shit and it should, you know, you would be like, oh, that must be so, I don't know that you would think it's effortless. It's whatever the opposite of effortless is, is what business is. It's scary. It's uncertain. It's damaging. It's also fulfilling. It's educational. I mean, I can talk about a lot, a lot about business and I was a literature and philosophy major. I, I mean, I have no formal training. I, I'm thankfully I'm an experiential learner. So don't usually make the same mistake twice once I, once I learn what the solution is. But anyways, you know, we stayed in business due to luck. You mean Taylor Swift, uh, wore, a bandeau in a, like a stylist pulled it for a 17 magazine shoot she was doing. And then she just fell in love with it. Her stylist reached out to us. And then we sent her a bunch of stuff, which started a really long relationship where we were actually designing pieces for her tour. And we made custom, like we actually had a small capsule collection with her that was sold on her website. And she wore bandeau like almost every fucking day. Cause there's like websites dedicated to what Taylor Swift is wearing. And she had something in her hair almost every day. So that was huge. We were on the cover of InStyle Weddings, which I don't think that magazine's around anymore, but it was a fluke that we got on the cover. It was like their cover story fell through. So they put, it wasn't Jamie and I, but it was a model wearing our most expensive piece that we actually, that was not one of a kind. We had already pivoted the business into making um, mass production, quote unquote mass production, which was really like we would make 30 of something. So that was, that was a huge break for us because we sold a ton of those pieces and the, and the margin was really great, which means that um, just quickly margin means the cost of the, the difference between the cost to make the piece and the retail price, uh, the, that money in between <laughs> is what you profit. So, so the profit margin was, was great on that and really kept us in business. And then anthropology came along and wanted us to create some custom pieces for them, which was like actual mass production, like, you know, in the thousands. And, and so all of that, we learned a ton you know, we learned about who who your demographic is and how do you produce overseas and shipping and distribution. And wholesale was the only thing we hadn't really figured out. 
I mean, I feel like the aesthetics of the brand, the voice, the way we connect with customers, social media wasn't really, social media was just like towards the end was just starting to be a thing. We had a lot, I feel like we had a head start on that and that's where the sort of like creative entrepreneur part comes in. In year three, Jamie decided that she was going to move to Texas because her husband had started a business there and they were going to need to be there full time. And I wasn't going to be able to run the business. At that point, we had a few girls working there, sewing shit and packing boxes in a, in a hot room and um, rock, paper, scissoring to see who's going to take it to the post office and all that stuff. Um, and so we were like, maybe we should try and sell it, <laughs> knowing nothing about what it takes to sell a business. So I think like when people hear that we sold Bandeau, they're like, oh my gosh, it must've been a windfall, like money coming, you know, just like falling down on you, like confetti out of the ceiling. Well, it was not like that, but thankfully, like many other things that happened in the, in the building of Bandeau, we were, we were so naive that we actually just thought like, man, well, who wouldn't buy this business? I mean, we were making like $200,000 a year. <laughs> so I was like, I mean, this is big business. It wasn't. So, so in, in the process of trying to sell you, you create an offering book, you, we've kind of retroactively created a business plan. You look at what your business is is worth, um, what your assets are in the business, how the business is going to be run. What's the future of your business? Who are your competitors? You know, it's, it's it's actually like a really interesting, uh, process that I would recommend if you, if you haven't looked at those things and you are at some point wanting to sell your business, like it, those are all really good things to think about. So, so we did that. And my friend Bree, actually for my 40th birthday, made our offering book. She's, she, she was, she's not a graphic designer anymore, but she was at the time. And, and she made a beautiful book for us. So, and out, out it went. And then Jamie, luckily enough, knew a guy who was in a YPO in Los Angeles. And that's like a young president's organization. So I think in order to get in, to qualify to get in, you have to be under 40 and the president of a company that's, that is worth at least $10 million. So, I mean, that was great. And so he let us take one of his emails to, to the chapter. And so we blasted it out and got a ton of interest, like big companies, once they started looking at like the actual behind the scenes of the business, because we've always looked like a, we've always looked put together because we, under, you know, going back to photography, styling, aesthetics, design, like we knew all that going in. So we just looked established. Like people would come into our office and be like, wait, this is Bandeau. It was like a 500 square foot room with like paper garland taped to the, taped to the walls for decoration. And we were like, yeah, this is Bandeau. They're like, oh, I thought it was like a corporation, <laughs> but that was cool. You know, that, that's why those things paid off. But, um, you know, for large companies, it doesn't make sense for them to in, take on a business like ours, but we found a company that was big, but was privately owned. Um, the company's called Lifeguard Press. That's who we ended up selling it to. It's owned by a couple, Todd and Kim Ferrier. They are my beloveds. They're, I, I mean, it's, it's bigger than friendship. It's bigger than family, but they, they owned a licensing company called Lifeguard Press who licensed products 
for larger companies. So like a Lily Pulitzer, like a big heritage. They were, they, I think they were doing Jonathan Adler at the time, maybe had just signed with Kate Spade. And so they were looking for what would be called like a house brand that they actually owned that they could put through their company where they already understand like manufacturing, sales, distribution, product development, customer service, like wholesale, <laughs> you know, all the things that we didn't know, they knew. And the one thing that we had that was so valuable was ideas, creativity, a brand aesthetic, a connected customer, and just, well, I already said brand, but like a brand, you know, and, and we didn't set out to do that, but I think I just naturally gravitate towards that. I think Jamie does too. Like we just, like we had an appreciation for brands and, and, and that was the thing that we needed. So I always liken it to like bandeau at the time being just like this pink, fluffy, iridescent cloud, um, that like vibrated with energy, but was sort of swirly. Like it just didn't, it didn't know how to go up. Even though we always, you know, topped ourselves year over year, it it just, it, it, it was a slow float up. And these guys came in and just put, put like a skeleton inside of a cloud and made it become a real thing that could move and, um, ascend. And, that's in my mind when the business really started, you know, prior to that, we were building the brand, we were maintaining a business, but we really didn't understand about scaling and growth. Although a lot of what we did contributed to that. I think like we were, our guts were great. Our instincts were great. Perseverance, all of that stuff that I talk about all the time kept us in business and and kept us afloat. But like when I think about what I know now and what what Lifeguard Press brought to us, we we would not have been able to figure that out. So, Okay, so we're about four years in now. We've started Bandeau, grown Bandeau, sold Bandeau. And in my mind, this is when we truly and completely start the business. I'll talk about how it has evolved over the last six years, reflect a bit on celebrating the accomplishment of 10 years in business and what I've learned over that time and give you a little preview of what's to come. Oh, and I cry. I realized recently that crying isn't always sadness, it's just emotion that can be positive or negative. How did it take me so long to figure that out? So yeah, I'm emotional when it comes to business. Who am I kidding? I'm emotional when it comes to everything, but I fight the urge to cry sometimes because I'm embarrassed. But now I know for sure that it's okay to cry. My friend Busy taught me that. Crying is her brand, and she does it with confidence and grace. So we've been with Lifeguard Press now for six years. Bando lived on its own for four years prior to that. So it's like now even the majority of time has been spent over here. This is That's when we started becoming a business where we I learned about an org chart and titles and hiring and firing and risk and lawsuits and company culture and managing people and managing yourself and time management and Google Drive <laughs> and and more than that to well not more than that but in addition to that understanding a customer, understanding the difference between a retail customer and a wholesale customer um, and their wants and needs and motivations, 
truly understanding social media and what an amazing tool that is. And learning about who we are as a company, as a brand, as a group of people, all things that we're still learning now. But it's been so educational to see, you know, I talked about margins earlier. And I remember when when Anthro came to us and we were in this meeting and, you know, they were, they were like, okay, well, it need to be a 70 something percent margin, which is actually really high and not that easy to do. And we, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm, uh-huh. I mean, I literally just was like, yes, yes, yes. And trying to like, we were both just trying to jot down what they were saying. Cause I had no idea what any of those words meant. And then just like called people and Googled shit when we got back to the office. But I learned about all of that, you know, cost of goods sold. And I learned about Uh, my own value to the business and the value of others and what was important to me and what was important to us. And so that's, that's, that's how I got here. That's how we got here. So it, it was literally an idea that turned into a thing that turned into a website that was run out of, that turned into a company that was run out of my living room and then, and then my living room and dining room combined. And then my husband was like, you need to move all these flowers out of here. This is not cool into a small office, into a slightly larger house, the party house. If anyone remembers that cool place up on sunset and now into the penthouse, um, you know, and we probably, I don't even know, maybe we have like 14,000 square feet from 500. So, so there's been amazing growth and amazing wins and, and heartbreak. And it's so cool to, to know that this, this wasn't planned. And, and honestly, a big part of my motivation in telling this story is I want to inspire you if you're, if you're thinking of starting and you're like, how, how will I do this? You know, one foot in front of the other. And hey, if you're able to create a budget and write a business plan and, and just figure out what your first three, six, nine, 12 months look like, great. But we didn't do any of that and I'm, and I'm here. So it's a possibility. And I guess that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to open your mind to the fact that this is a possibility for you. If this is what you want, if you have anxiety, if you have depression, that doesn't mean you can't do it. Hey, if you have ADD, it doesn't mean you can't do it. I don't talk about that as, as much, but I totally have ADD. You don't even have to have a ton of money if you're willing to lose your house. <laughs> no, but I guess I just want to give hope because I, I feel like the stories of today are like, you know, this young entrepreneur started and she came out of finance and then she got funding and then she made this company or I guess he too. And then we, they raised a second round and it's all so glamorous and look at the growth and it, you know, it seems so effortless and that's real too, but there are other ways to build a a company and to create jobs for people and to learn and to succeed, succeed hormones. So I, I hope this, I hope you find it inspiring. I hope you find it helpful. I say this every time, but it is my motivation. I love telling that story because it's, it's, it, and I gave you the abridged version, even if it doesn't feel like it. I love, I love telling that story because it reminds me of how far we've come. And (laughs) do I cry again? But you know it it is, and 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 
the relationships that were made possible. Oh, Jen. Sorry. It's just cool. And it's not just about making money. It's about connecting with people and with 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 a community and connecting with the people you work with and doing something special and important. So I'm excited to, to take this creation. <laughs> I uh, hold on. I'm excited to, to take us to into the next decade. And we have some really amazing things that we're working on that I feel like are going to be so important and so special to everyone involved, not just for us internally, but I'm, I'm excited to take the idea of helping people feel better and, and push it through this business that was born out of, well, in, in part out of a, a person who struggled with mental illness, had no prior business experience, was financially compromised, um, but was passionate and dedicated to work, to growth, to creative problem solving, and to learning, and was optimistic no matter what happened. So onwards and upwards. I hope this I hope this helped. I hoped it, it, I hoped, I hope that it was as good for you as it was for me. If that's not sexy, I don't know what is. Okay. I'll talk to you later. We're whispering now. What else should I whisper about? My legs are sweating behind my knees. Okay. Bye. (laughs) We did it. I'm so thrilled to be able to bring you this story and hope it encouraged you to pursue your passions, especially if you were scared you didn't have the experience you needed. Passion, drive, intelligence, integrity, and hard work can trump experience any day. I bet you know someone who could use to be reminded of that. If you do, please share it with them. Share it with the world. Have a great week. You can do it. You can do anything. Bye. What do you know about the after show? It's the JGOK after show. You don't know about the after show, but it's the show that I'm singing in the lobby of a hotel because I'm on vacation. And here's what I want to say. This one's going to be short because I'm on vacation and I actually forgot to record something. But how great is that? That I actually got to unplug and forget about a couple things. Very much not like me. Highly recommended. I'm doing a vacation without social media or even a phone. And frankly, probably three of the best days of my life. So that's all I want to tell you. I just finished my drink, so I have to go get another one because I have one more day left. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Talk to you next week.